Hi, welcome to Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood, the podcast for women over 45. My name's Karen O'Connor. I'm a blogger, author, entrepreneur, property developer, mother of four, and I've been married for 30 years. I love health and fitness and anything creative, and I'm absolutely fascinated with personal development and psychology. Join me each week for conversations about life beyond 45. I'll have inspiring stories, lots of guest interviews and tips and tricks to hack our brains so we can intentionally and deliberately create an amazing future for ourselves. If it's your first time here, hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'd love it if you share this episode with your friends on social media and let me know your key takeaways because I'd love to hear them. Enjoy and welcome to this episode of the Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Hello and welcome. It's so good to be with you again. In today's episode, I just want to talk about menopause really and midlife and what's become apparent to me over the last few weeks in particular. It's kind of been growing for a few months, but over the last couple of weeks in particular is that there's a lot of stuff that we still don't talk about. We're very lucky in a lot of ways because things to do with the menopause and pregnancy, childbirth, menstruation, all that kind of thing, it is all discussed a lot more openly now. But I do feel that there's some things that certainly my mother and grandmother never, ever discussed with me. And I've not really spoken about it with my children and particularly not with my daughters. I've just spent two weeks in a persistent pain program. If you haven't listened to the previous podcast, I'll just give you a bit of an update. When I had my eldest child, which is 25 years ago now, he was delivered by forceps. My pelvis just wasn't big enough and his head was too big and there was no way he was going to come out. And rather than give me an emergency caesarean, which I didn't want because at the time I believed that having a caesarean would be worse than giving birth naturally, the obstetrician actually used forceps to deliver Jamie. And he not only used forceps, (laughs) I kid you not, he actually had his foot on the table to try to pull Jamie out. It was that tight a squeeze. I'd had CAT scans on my pelvis to find out why Jamie wasn't dropping into position. And basically, there was about half a centimetre difference between the diameter of Jamie's head and the available space in my pelvis. It wasn't so much that Jamie had a really big head, although he did. It was more that I was very, very fit at the time and my pelvis just didn't expand or loosen at all. And so there was no room for him to get out. So the obstetrician pulled Jamie out with forceps and I felt terrible for Jamie because the kid had all these bruises on his head. I'll actually put some photographs on the webpage if you want to go look. He had all these bruises down his forehead and he kept having nightmares for the first week or so after he was born and it came in the same time frame and with the same build-up as when he was born because it was over three pushes and he'd start crying and then he'd give up and the crying would get louder and then he'd start screaming and it was just absolutely heart-wrenching and I still wonder whether that's had a permanent impact on him because you don't know. I mean, babies' brains are, you know, their skull is really malleable and everything but you do, I, I wonder whether it's had some kind of input and we will never know. But what was never discussed and certainly never came up as 
potentially being an issue were the effects on me that having a forceps delivery and a delivery of a baby whose size was so close to the available size for him to get out of my stomach. I can't think of a better way of putting that. But what was going to be the long-term medical impact on me? I didn't even think about it. And like I said, it's only in the last few months that I've actually realized that there are long-term lasting impacts. I thought the prolapses that I suffered after Jamie was born were because I was in labor for a fair time and I was pushing too hard and everything else. And it's only my, the gynecologist that I have now that has told me it's quite clearly caused, or they know now it's caused by forceps delivery. The particular kind of trauma that I have is the result of a forceps delivery. About 10 years ago, I realized that I did, I, I actually, I just thought that that's what happened to your body after you had kids. It never occurred to me that the way I felt and I, I kind of felt that my insides were wobbling about. I can't think of a technical term for this. This is actually quite difficult to describe. I kind of felt that inside my body, I was wobbling about. Now I've always been really fit, but I do high impact aerobics and jumping about on the trampoline or something. And I'd feel like, Oh, how can I describe it? I'd feel like your yeah, bits were wobbling that shouldn't really be wobbling inside me. So I went to see a gynecologist who confirmed that I actually had three different prolapses. One was of the front wall of the vagina, one was of the back wall, so that affected both the bladder and the bowel, and the third one was of the uterus itself. That was the damage I'd done to myself. I had actually pushed my uterus out of position because I'd pushed so much. So they did this whole series of procedures to try to repair that. And one of the procedures that they did was to insert this mesh in the front wall of the vagina to support the bladder and stop the bladder protruding through and to give the bladder some stability. It sounded like a good idea at the time. So that was what they did. They sewed up the back wall, they used the mesh in the front wall, and then they... Um, I don't know how to put it, they hoiked up the uterus so it wasn't dropping so low. But I started having problems pretty much immediately. And within 12 months, I was back at the gynecologist to have another operation because straight away, some of the mesh wasn't sitting right. So the mesh is designed so that it's fitted onto the skin and the skin grows through it and around it. So it becomes an integral part of the structure of your body. That's how it's designed. And in theory, it's a great idea. But what started happening with me was that the mesh was fraying almost and bits of it were sticking out and it was quite uncomfortable and it was causing me pain and it was causing me pain when I was exercising or horse riding, doing whatever I was doing. So I went back in for an operation and they tried to remove some of the mesh and it didn't really get any better. So 12 months after that, that gynecologist referred me to his mentor, the professor who taught him how to do this particular kind of pelvic surgery. Now, when I went to see him and I had the scans and everything like that, it turned out that the original gynecologist had actually inserted the mesh incorrectly. The mesh has got wings that are attached to certain parts of your body. I don't exactly know how to do it and somebody can correct me on this. This is just my understanding but one of these wings had been attached to my cervix which is what you are not supposed to do because if anything goes wrong with it well it's not even if anything goes wrong with it 
If it's attached to the cervix, it's like not being attached to something solid. The cervix isn't fixed in place. It can move. So what happened was because one of the wings had been attached to the cervix, the whole mesh had curled over and was pulling the cervix down and out and the mesh was starting to crumple in on itself. So I had another operation, yet another operation. This is my third one by now. And the repair on the back wall of the vagina to hold in the bowel had kept going wrong as well because there was stuff going wrong with the mesh and all sorts. It, it just wasn't a really good series of operations. So I had this long operation where they tried to remove as much of the mesh as they could, which in actual fact wasn't very much, and repair everything else in order to try to make sure that I got the best result possible from this operation. It was bed rest for three weeks. For three months, all I could do was walk around the house. I couldn't drive. I couldn't lift anything up for three months. So I couldn't empty the washing machine. I couldn't lift a pan out of the sink and put it on the stovetop. All I could do was walk. And then for the rest of the 12 months, for a further nine months, the only physical exercise I could do was walking. I could start to go on the treadmill and the cross trainer and things, but I couldn't run and I couldn't do any weights. That was to give me the best chance of this operation being a success. I was also told at the time that if I wanted this whole thing to settle down and be as good as it was going to be, I would basically have to not do all the things that I enjoyed doing. So I couldn't go horse riding and I couldn't do a step class at the gym. I couldn't do anything that involved any kind of high impact. I couldn't do weight training because you push down on your pelvic floor when you're weight training. I couldn't do any of those things if this operation was going to be a success. So in terms of how it was going to affect my quality of life for the rest of my life, it was absolutely massive. And the other thing that I wasn't informed about, and I never even gave a thought to at the time, was the impact that not being able to do all of those things, not being able to do physical exercise, being so dependent on everybody else, not being able to get out of the house for months, the impact that all those things would have on my emotional and mental state. And it wasn't good. I hadn't tied it back to that inactivity for 12 months until a couple of years ago. And I was talking to somebody and I kind of traced the depression and the sleeplessness and everything else and went oh my goodness it dates back to that operation never occurred to me does now looking back on it seems really obvious but it didn't back then just recently I found out that there was a worldwide class action against the manufacturers of this pelvic mesh because there have been so many problems with it I have been quite fortunate I don't really know how to put it I've dealt with it better than a lot of people Ugh. And maybe I shouldn't say that. That sounds really arrogant. I decided that it wasn't going to impact my life and I was just going to do what I wanted to do regardless. I did not want anything to impact my life to that extent. So I basically just ignored it. I've done my horse riding, I've done my gym work and sometimes it hurts and sometimes I have to stop. But there are times when it is painful. I went to see a gynecologist just recently because I decided that it's actually time to take this mesh out. I don't want it in my body anymore. And I'm quite convinced, to be perfectly honest, that a lot of the problems that I've got with digestive issues and sinuses and things like that, they could be due to my body fighting this mesh. And I apologize if I'm repeating myself if you've listened to previous episodes. Some of these things you haven't heard before, but some things I am repeating myself a little bit. Apologies. Like I say, I went to see a gynecologist and I'm going into hospital in a few weeks time to have this mesh removed. 
hopefully we hope we're going to be able to fully and then later on in the year I'll have to go in for another operation to repair the prolapse that the mesh was used for the purpose of this conversation today really is to promote awareness of what actually happens in childbirth I didn't know for example that the pelvic floor isn't a single muscle or two muscles you know one running either side of your pelvis the pelvic floor is actually a string of muscles it's kind of like one of those hammocks that's made up of strings and it runs from the front to the back of your pelvis now when you have a traumatic birth and especially when you have a what do they call it an instrument assisted birth when forceps are used in particular those pelvic floor muscles are damaged irreparably the pelvic floor muscles are attached at the front and back to the pelvic bone by a small tendon I suppose it is I'm not exactly sure how it's attached but they're attached directly to the bone and when there is a traumatic birth some of those muscles come away from the bone and right now we don't have a way of reattaching them so it's kind of like half of your muscles are missing in my case it's on the left side of my pelvis so what's happened for me is the right side of my pelvis has over tightened to compensate for the left side not having the strength and the integrity that it should have I didn't know any of this so I go and see the physiotherapist when I'm in the program the other week and the whole of my right hip is so tense I can't move it I just thought that was age but it's not my right hip and my right bum is just fully clenched all the time to try to hold everything in place to compensate for this loss of integrity with the pelvic floor how many other women have got the same problem and are completely unaware of it just by relaxing all the muscles the difference it's made to my stiff shoulders and my stiff neck this sounds really bizarre right I start unclenching my buttock muscles and all of a sudden my neck gets really loose <laughs> it's, it's really interesting but it's something that I just want to share with people and I want other people to understand and know about and it's certainly stuff that I want younger women who are going into childbirth to know about this kind of thing should be part of the education I'm just starting to share with my own children about all this and the boys in particular boys they're grown men in particular are just horrified that women have to go through this they are not aware they just leave the doctors to get on with stuff assuming that they're doing the right thing by us and let's be honest here 99 percent of doctors are fantastic but what they don't know or they don't understand they can't do anything about so at least if we as women are aware and we share with our partners and husbands and our sons what is going on and what is likely to happen to their wife or partner when they're in childbirth I don't think they're ever going to want the person that they love to go through that kind of thing and to have to deal with this kind of physical mm, I don't want to say disability and I can't think of another word but this kind of physical issue for the rest of their lives I just really want to share what's happening as I'm going through this journey and the stuff that I'm finding out and the information and all the experiences that I'm having right now 
to get it out there in the world and to have people and to have people understand what's available to them what the potential results of an action are going to be one of the things I've realized is that we tend to deal with things that are uncomfortable in silence we deal with them alone we take ourselves off and we deal with them quietly hello leads to depression and anxiety and all the other things I don't want that to happen and I'm going to do an entire other podcast about that because that is something that I've realized has really impacted me. Taking myself out of society and not discussing this kind of thing. And also, let me make it clear, I do not want to dwell on this. I am not my pelvic problems. I am me. But what I want to do is talk about this stuff so that it doesn't become the elephant in the room that I can't talk about and that I'm ignoring. I'm not going to focus on it. It's just the what's so. This is what's happening. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean that I'm crippled for life. It doesn't mean that I'm an invalid. It doesn't mean that I can or can't do certain things. It means that I'm sorting it out and I'm dealing with it. And I just want to share the fact that it can be dealt with and sorted out. And it doesn't have to define who you are, which is me on my pedestal yelling at you all. (laughs) So please excuse me. I'm quite passionate about this. I suppose because I didn't know about it. I'm just kind of like, well, hello, everybody should know about this kind of thing. I would love to hear any comments or if you have some experience of something like this or you just want to reach out, you are quite welcome to just email me or private message me on Facebook or something and I will respond to you, although Facebook sometimes hides those messages from people that you're not friends with. I will find them. I would love to hear from you. I'd love to connect with more women, women who are going through this kind of thing. And particularly if you have issues with the pelvic mesh, I would love to talk to you and share experiences. This program that I've been doing for the last two weeks on pain management has been amazing. It's made such a difference. Not just to me, it's not just for people who have issues with pelvic mesh. It's for anybody who's been in chronic and persistent pain for more than six months. That's the basic criteria for being on the program. So you could have migraines or fibromyalgia or cancer or any other things, rheumatoid arthritis, whatever, just having to deal with chronic and persistent pain. That's all for today. So please get in touch with me and I look forward to talking to you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood podcast. I'm Karen O'Connor. Join me next time for more conversation, laughter and fun as we navigate our way through all the things that midlife throws at us. Please click on the subscribe button so you get notifications of new episodes. And don't forget that all the links and information that we've spoken about in this podcast is available on the podcast page of my website. If you have any ideas for topics you'd like us to chat about, or if you have an inspiring story that you'd like to share, I'd love to hear from you. And constructive feedback is always welcome. Thanks so much for listening. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next time. Bye for now.